0: Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. Well, 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 good morning, good morning. It is Friday morning. Hope all is well. We welcome you, as always, to Off the Bench presented by United Dairy Farmers. I'm Tom Brenneman. We come your way 10 to 12. That's Eastern Time. You can join us. By jumping on YouTube, the Chatterbox Sports page, if you'd prefer to join us in podcast form and the number's going up 20% per month, just search Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman and you're dialed in. Is tonight the start of something big, really big. I mean, it's a red legs taking on the defending world champions on enemy turf, right? Now Grant, this recent hot streak started about three weeks ago for the local nine. They've won 13 of their last 19. But well, let's be honest. The competition outside of the Dodgers has been average at best. The Royals and the Cardinals are terrible. It's one thing to beat St. Louis and Kansas City, it's another thing altogether to beat the Astros, even though they are slumping and they are hurting, especially in the starting rotation. Game one of a three game series starts tonight. Rookie sensation Andrew Abbott on the mound for the Red Legs. JP France pitching well. Youngster for Houston. First pitch at 8 10. After this series, Colorado comes in, followed by the Juggernaut Braves in a trip to contending Baltimore. The Reds picked up ground last night on Pittsburgh, who lost to Chicago. So that means going into play tonight. Cincinnati is one game back of the lead in the National League Central. Couple of notes. Down on the farm, Joey Votto had his best day at the plate so far. Hit a home run, had a double, walked a couple of times. But perhaps most interesting of all is that slugger Christian Encarnacion Strand made his first start in right field. He had been used exclusively, DH, first, third. Does that mean he's on his way to the big league sometime soon to play the outfield? Reds TV analyst Chris Welsh joins us in about 10 minutes from Houston. Did you see the numbers for Shohei Ohtani in the Angels series against the Rangers? He hit four home runs in the series. Last night, he pitches six innings to get a win and hit a home run. He's hit in 12 straight games. He's homered in 10 of his last 16. He has 22 home runs so far this year. Commissioner Rob Manford, he addressed the media about the impending move of the Oakland A's to Las Vegas. Said he feels sorry for the fans out in Oakland, but that after years and years of trying to get a new stadium in Oakland, it simply wasn't going to happen. And boy, he's taking some heat about, you know, you often hear if you have a wife, girlfriend, it's all about tone, your tone, right? His tone was not good yesterday. Not good. We'll talk about that a little bit later on. Only twice ever, and just once since Johnny Miller in 1973, has a golfer fired a 62 at the U.S. Open. Well, change that story in a big way. Two players, Ricky Fowler and Xander Shoffley, did just that in round one at the L.A. Country Club yesterday. Fowler had 10 birdies. Shoffley had eight birdies. Did not have a single bogey. Those two lead Dustin Johnson and Wyndham Clark by two strokes. Rory McIlroy is three back. Scotty Scheffler, five back at minus three. Phil Mickelson, minus one. Brooks Kepka plus one. The Bengals are giving their fans 10 dates to see the team practice during training camp. From July the 26th through August the 7th, the general public can come downtown, check the team out, Season ticket holders will receive an additional four days. Charlie Goldsmith from Cincinnati.com joins us at 1130. He was at minicamp all week, and he'll tie a ribbon around that. Did you see the championship rings? Oh, my God. Of the Kansas City Chiefs, it is beyond belief. Check this out. 613. That's not a misspeak. 613. 16 diamonds, 609 round diamonds, four marquee diamonds, 16 rubies in each ring. Number 15 there, Patrick Mahomes. He said that bad boy headed straight for the old security box. <laughs> Can you believe that? How would one of those look like for the Bengalis? Look Ooh. at this thing.
1: Imagine the obsidian, the orange-colored.
0: Mm. Wow, how about breaking that out? Nice. FC Cincinnati has the weekend off. The top team in the MLS will play next Saturday at home against Toronto. But now, now, why are all the people saying yawn, yawn, yawn in the chat? About I think that's the... just serboy
2: Wonder. It's just serboy Wonder. Just
0: Sir Boy. Oh, you mean about the ring? Yeah. Why would that be gone? That thing is really cool. I mean, you can't go back and change what happened last year. The Chiefs won a Super Bowl.
2: Tom, I, I, don't, I don't think people like the Chiefs much around here.
0: Well, I don't think they do either, but that still doesn't take away from the fact that that ring, you know, I have a World Series ring that I got from the Arizona Di- I could, I could not tell you where that thing is. No clue. My wife knows. I don't know. If somebody made me stake my life on finding that When I get home today, I would be in a call.
3: Really? Yeah, really. I know exactly where all my rings are, Tom. From
0: Alabama. (laughs) Right on the bedside table. (laughs) Amen, brother. Amen. Well, I mean, you know, you're in one of those highfalutin neighborhoods, so it's (laughs) like Chris Welsh in a lot of ways. You know, he lives in that highfalutin life, you know. Out there in Arizona a lot during the offseason here in Cincinnati. Right now, of course, he's down in Houston, Texas. That was always one of my favorite stops. We welcome in longtime TV analyst of the Cincinnati Reds, Chris Welsh. Good morning, young man. How are you? What do you say, partner? Really uh, great to be on here with you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. How's Houston? Where are you guys staying now down there? Have you changed hotels from where it used to be? (laughs)
4: You know, uh, no, we used to stay at the Galleria. Yep. And I think I calculated one time, and you're probably in the same boat, that I probably spent uh, one, a half, three months of my life uh, in and out of the Galleria. Yep. Back in the day, the Reds used to travel here three times a year. I did it as a player, did it as a broadcaster for a long time. And uh, we got to know that place pretty well. That was yep. the Mall of America before the Mall of America. and uh, But now we're staying downtown within really walking distance of the uh, ballpark. Uh, it's great down here. It's hot and humid as it normally is in Houston. Nothing's changed there, but uh, I love Houston. I love the people, the ballpark. The ballpark is great. Yep. You know that the, uh, the sight lines from the TV and radio booths are just really great because you're just you're almost right there with the fans. I mean, you can reach out and, and ask them to go get your bag of popcorn. Yeah, uh, So it's, it's really a fun place.
0: I love that ballpark. I mean, I've been there yeah. in a few years now, but I always thought that was one of the most underrated ballparks in all of baseball. It's just a cool place, Definitely. and they got great fan base, and obviously they have a lot to be excited about coming off a World Series title. But look, people around these parts, Chris, you know. I mean, you, you grew up here. The pride of St. Xavier High School. All the liberal elites, like my friend used to say over there. But listen, um, the Reds. Uh, they're the talk of the town right now um are, are, how do you see this team you're around mm-hmm. them every day you know the people involved you know the players you know david bell you know the coaches but but from where you sit what's the state of the reds right now
4: well if you're talking about the state of the reds team they're a young ball club That doesn't remember losing as much as the Reds have lost in the last five or six years. And and that's the biggest thing. So there's no legacy that they're trying to rid themselves of. They're just going out and playing baseball. They look around the league and they say, hey, you know, these teams in our division aren't that good. Uh, We're as good as they are. If we can, you know, play with a high level of energy and believe that we can win every day and then get some decent starting pitching. Uh, we can win. And so far, that's been the case. It's been uh, really a lot of fun to watch him.
0: You know, you, lo- you, you look at the injection uh, of the youth. And I, w- I want to start with Matt McClain. Look, you've seen a lot of guys going back to your playing days that have been brought up. Uh, and, you know, you're nearly 30 years, I think it is, now in the Reds TV booth. And not longer than Are that. 31, forgive me, 31 years. I mean, you've seen some good players come up with this franchise. Some guys that have gone to the Hall of Fame come up with this franchise. Other guys who are going to go in the Hall of Fame come up with this franchise. Um, Can you remember, though, a guy being better over a month, month and a half than Matt McClain has been?
4: No, I I don't think so. I think when Jay Bruce first came up, I mean, he was really on fire. Uh, He hit the ball hard, but he also got a ton of great breaks as far as a well-rounded player, Matt McClain takes the cake. Uh, He is, uh, he's basically the baseball version of a gym rat. Uh, He loves the game. He loves to be out there. He has his whole life. Uh, He is a little powerhouse. I mean, he's a guy that is a little bit bigger than Jose Altuve. Uh, He has tremendous power, really strong kid, very fast. He's got fast twitch muscles going. He's got a good arm. And I, I kept talking with You know the reds front office during the beginning of the year saying hey when are you going to bring these guys up matt mcclain he looks like he's ready ellie de la cruz he looks like he's ready and they kept telling me well you know mcclain's he's got to learn to do the little things and to which i said well you know we got a bunch of guys up here over the last few years that did the little things but they couldn't do the big things mcclain (laughs) seems to be doing both And, and and now that he's been up here for a few weeks he is, in my book, you know, the best defensive player on the Reds. He does every little thing there is, whether you play him a shortstop or second base. I'm sure you could play him in the outfield, and he would not miss a step. But uh, he's got a good eye at the plate. And I think, Tom, as you've seen baseball for a long time, that's the biggest transition that young players, batters have to make is the selectivity of the pitches that they swing at. The last,
0: time, the last time we had you on, Chris, uh, was right at the end of spring training, and – you had made the comment, I believe, paraphrasing here, that basically when you went out to the backfields and you'd watch these guys hit and work out and work on their defense and so mm-hmm. on and so forth, you're like, Ellie De La Cruz is the best player on the field. Um, the tools clearly are all there. Um, he has had a reputation of every single level, once he starts at that level, working his way up through the minor leagues, to, to struggle a little bit at the beginning and then figure it out. He just goes the last three days in Kansas City, doesn't get a hit, doesn't mean he didn't help the team win in the three-game suite. but now watching De La Cruz for about you know, two and a half, three weeks now, did you notice anything in Kansas City or it was just a three-game series where a guy didn't get a hit? Did you notice anything they were trying to do with him at the plate? Yeah, you you know it's
4: interesting because when a rookie comes up as a hitter, first thing the major league pitchers try is that they want to test to see if he can hit the fastball. And he can. I mean, his first home run was a pitch up and in, almost off the plate. He's got tremendous bat speed, great reactions, and so on. So he's proven that. I think the turning point for Ellie De La Cruz is the third game against the Los Angeles Dodgers when Clayton Kershaw flipped that little breaking ball up there time after time, and then he really kind of got into De La Cruz's head. And I think the same thing's kind of carried on now, especially in that Kansas City series. They, they weren't going to give him anything. I mean, they're pitching him down in the zone. He's got a great high ball swing. Uh, you know, from the waist on up, you can't get the ball by him. So they're pitching him down. They're changing speeds, and it's beginning to get into his head just a little bit looking for the off-speed pitch because a couple of times in Kansas City he took strike threes with fastballs basically down the middle, surprise pitches. So this is the the mind game that big league pitchers and scouting reports do to young players. I mean he's got to go up there again and do what he did in every level uh, to adapt and I think in his case it's more like he should take the Ken Griffey Jr. approaches which is, you know, see the ball, hit the ball. Don't worry about the strategy the other team is bringing to you. Just go back to basics, and I think he's going to be fine. I mean, the kid's an immense talent, have never seen a player with more talent than he has, and uh, he's going to be around for a long time.
0: When you say never seen a player, you mean never seen a player?
4: Ever, ever. Ever. I, I've never seen anybody who can do everything that he can do. And he may not hit as many home runs as Ken Griffey Jr. He may not steal as many bases as Ricky Henderson. You know, he may not be a gold glover as sh- shortstop the way that Barry Larkin was. But he he does the combination of things and the potential for him. I was walking behind him to go into the, into the stadium the other day. And I'm looking at this kid's build. I mean, his shoulders are the widest shoulders on anybody in the team. And then he cuts down to his waist. He looks like Andre Dawson from behind, except that he runs better than Dawson and he's got a better arm than Dawson. Uh, so it, it, it's just uncanny. He's got a great attitude. Uh, he's not full of himself in any way. He's very humble. Uh, he works hard. He's making little adjustments uh, with the coaching staff here that's gonna help him. And you know, it, it's just fun to watch him progress every day. Don't worry about the small sample size of a of a series in Kansas City or a series in you know against the Dodgers, whatever. Um, you know, look at the big picture because you know you're going to have this kid a long time. And right now, uh, there's nobody else in this organization, or I think in anybody else's organization, that has as good a uh, potential as he does.
0: Um, tonight's starting pitcher Andrew Abbott. He's made a couple of starts. He's yet to allow a run. We heard so much about him coming up. Through the minor leagues and the way he started this year at Triple A, what has impressed you the most about this young man? Guy's a bulldog.
4: I mean, he. I heard from Sean Pender before he was called up. Actually, it was it was Pat Kelly, the manager of the Triple A team in Louisville, and I asked him about Abbott. This is before they called him up, and I said, "Well, what 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 do you really like about this kid?" He said, "You know what I like." Is that when a minor league pitching coach comes to him and he says, "Hey, I think you ought to try this with your grip or this with your your release or something like that," Abbott would say, "Why?" and he'd want to know why. He's a tough guy. He he needs to be convinced, and I think that he takes that same attitude to a ball game, and uh, he doesn't want to back down. I mean, he feels like he's. His stuff is plenty good. He feels like he belongs here. He feels like if he makes good pitches, he's going to get hitters out, and so far so good. So he pitches fearlessly, Uh, and from a pitching standpoint, I think what he does, which is very interesting, is that he's able to change speeds. Right now, he's controlling the outside part of the plate, first base side of the plate, uh, with his fastball and with his changeup. And that's a pretty good place to start because that's usually the, uh, the safe zone for a pitcher to go.
0: No question. Um, okay, a couple of other topics real quick to hit. Uh, the bullpen, I believe, at last check, has thrown the third most innings among all bullpens in Major League Baseball. The starting rotation, the ERA, very, very high. They've had guys in and out. Ladolo's out. Ashcraft is out. Green, you know, skipped a few days of a start. You got Abbott up. Um, at the end of the day, um, What has to change with that rotation? Or who do you think will end up stepping in there to give them a lift in the rotation? And I'm going to take Green and Abbott out of this. But where else are they going to find someone with consistency? Because I'm with you. I mean, I said yesterday, we are where we are right now, sitting here in the middle of June. And when you look at the competition in this division, uh, there is nothing that makes me believe that the Reds don't have as good a chance as anybody and better than most to win this division. But the starting pitching's got to get better, right?
4: It does. I mean, you you hit on the spot that I think is the most – for baseball people who really understand how you put a team together, you've got to have a strong bullpen. And and if you're wearing your bullpen out in the month of June, what's it going to be like on August 15th? And that's the biggest question here. I think the earned run average of the starters is high because there are certain games when there've been blowouts, where David Bell has left that starter in there to suck up a lot of earned runs and it hurts the earned run average overall, but it saves his bullpen. But in the meantime, they need arms. They they need consistent arms that can stay healthy. Um, and they need some some pitchers in the rotation to go deep into games. And of course, deep nowadays is five and six innings. Mm-hmm. But the blowout games of you know covering two innings and then have to go to the bullpen. Those those games are what really kills the bullpen. So the only people that can really help this team from a, sta- a starting standpoint is probably Nick Crawl and the front office. <clears throat> because if you believe that you that you cannot pick the year in which you contend that that year sometimes picks you. George Grant always used to say that to me, and and it really makes a lot of sense. You put your organization in the best place it can possibly be to win ball games. And now the rest of the division has come back. There's really not a great team or a full complete team in this division at all. So I'm with you, the Reds can win this thing, but they need help. They need a starting pitcher uh, who can give them some innings, who can stay healthy all year long to kind of uh, pitch alongside Green. And then they also need a left-handed reliever because I don't think that you can survive the rest of the season with just Alex Young down there.
0: All right. Well, you know, uh, Nick Kroll came out the other day. He was asked about whether, you know, the Reds are, 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 are going to consider being a quote-unquote buyer at the trade deadline. Uh, clearly, I mean, you got to wait and see what where what their record is and where they're going to stand. But, I, you know, look, I, I, I just – and I know the schedule gets tough. But, again, getting back to what we were talking about a second ago th- – Nothing makes me believe that in a month from now, as you're getting a little closer, a lot closer to the trade deadline, that this team is not going to be within three, four, five games of that lead. Okay, now what, what place they sit in, you know, w- w- remains to be seen. But you get into the whole debate, Chris, about, you know, you, you, you've made all these deals to acquire all this young talent. They have so many promising players, uh, not only at the big league level young players, but a lot more coming and coming quickly. Um, you know, where do you come down on the whole thing about, man, you know, you got to consider one or two of these guys if you want to make that move, or do you just continue to do what they've been doing and and they've done it well and, and, and thinking, okay, with what we got this year, we'll play with what we got and, Mm. you know, some tweaks here, tweaks there, uh, and not trade any of these young guys or, would you at least be open to trading some of the young guys? You know, I I
4: think if you're looking at the macro view, Tom, you you realize that one of the easier things to do for a front office is to take a franchise that is losing 100 games, that has a bunch of guys that are going to be paid a lot of money, and you can't see the wins from them. So you trade them away for prospects, okay, because those prospects – are not going to be judged for several years from now. And the Res have done that. I mean, when they made the trades with Seattle and they made the trades with Minnesota, they got some pretty good players in return. They got some big league ready players like Spencer Steer in return. Uh, that has turned out to be exceptional. But, you know, when you have that combination of players coming up through the minor leagues, ready to go in the big leagues, and those players that you've got in some trades, let's face it, there are not enough spots on this ball club for all the prospects that the Reds have returned in those trades. So now the difficult time begins. Now you've got to evaluate your own players and say, okay, is Noel Marte better than Spencer Steer? Is Arroyo better than Nick Senzel? Uh, You know, is uh, Encarnacion Strand better than you know, fill in the blank. Uh, Joey Votto, Seward Fairchild, Will Benson, whatever it is. So you've got still a whole handful of really good prospects down in the minor leagues. You didn't acquire all those prospects to play for your team. You acquired those prospects to make your organization better. So how do you do that? Well, you make the right decisions about the players that you keep, and you make the tough decisions about the players that you trade away, and you trade them at a time where their value is at the highest. And it could be a prospect that you really don't want to get rid of, but if you need a pitcher down the stretch, and uh, if it's a guy that makes sense, maybe more than just a rent a pitcher for one mm-hmm. season, and that you can keep them, then it's worth trading away some of these tough, these big prospects because you just can't keep accumulating prospects and expect you to win the division. You've got to put a a balanced roster together, and that's a challenge that the Reds front office faces right now.
0: Well, there's no doubt, and I use the quote all the time. I remember John Sherholtz, a great general manager in Atlanta, saying to me a long, long time ago, uh, you better know your organization better than other people know your organization, and those are the very tough choices that you're talking about, tough decisions you're talking about. Were you surprised? I found it very encouraging, but your thoughts because you're around it. Were you surprised that Encarnacion Strand just yesterday gets a start in the outfield for the first time this year?
4: Yeah, I'm wondering what took so long. I mean, they've been playing this kid at third base. Well, you already have, you know, a couple of third basemen down there. Um, I, I think that, you know, I, all I heard off spring training was he can't play outfield, can't play outfield. I am said, well, well, let's just stick him out there because if he can hit, he can play outfield. I mean, it's, it's a, always yeah. a give and take. Of one thing or another. Give me a guy that can play, that can really hit, and and I'll I'll make do with his defense. I mean, how long did the Reds look at Adam Dunn out in left field, and and they put up with it because, you know, he was hitting bombs every other night. So I think that's the that's the give and take here. So I'm surprised it took so long. I think the Reds are, um, I think the front office is a little surprised right now. I think that they're surprised how quickly that guys like McLean and De La Cruz have come along. They're surprised that Encarnacion Strand took what he did in spring training and he's picked up on it again. I think they're surprised that that uh, Spencer Steer has played so well, that they've gotten uh, uh, great production out of uh, TJ Friedel, a guy that uh, they wouldn't play last year uh, because they were giving all of his at-bats to Aristide Aquino. So it's amazing how, you know, you, I I always think one of the successes in life is admit when you're wrong and move on. And 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 I think that the front office is beginning to do that on some of the players that may have not made good decisions on in the past. Uh, Hopefully that going forward, they'll make decisions on these players uh, soon and and get them up here and play. Because I think that uh, if you're not going to go for it and if you're not going to trade for pitching and if you're not going to make your bullpen stronger, and get all the kids up here and play. Because if you're rebuilding, rebuild, it, rebuild with the youth.
0: All right, well, which leads me then, Chris, to the last question I want to ask you about. Because this all ties together. You all of a sudden are within days, if maybe a week, of Votto coming back up. Hit his second home run in the last five days. He had a double in a couple of walks yesterday for Louisville. You still have Will Myers who is due to come back up from AAA Louisville? You have Nick Senzel, who will come up from AAA Louisville. Oh, and by the way, Encarnación Strand's on pace to hit 60 bombs down there. Um, you know, much like you were talking about prospects and which ones you want to keep, which ones you might think about moving, um, what are you going to do with all these guys? I mean, you just can't leave Vado down there. You can't leave Myers down there, Senzel down there. What are they going to do?
4: I think June 22nd is the day for Votto. That's the maximum number of days on rehab. So something's got to be done between now and then. So we're running out of time there. Nick Senzel, I'm surprised he's not already here in Houston, actually. Uh, But he'll be coming up pretty soon. Uh, And then the question is, where do you play Senzel? Uh, I mean, they've gotten pretty good play all the way around the infield uh, with Nick Senzel being gone. Uh, But he has been a really good player. I think in the long run, if you want to get specific, and this is only my opinion, I I don't know. I I believe that they're probably going to uh, take a look at uh, moving some of these players. Obviously, you can't move Joey Votto. If you can move the contract of uh, uh, Myers, you'll probably try to do that. Uh, because you've got players that can play just about every bit as well as he can, although the Reds did not see him really playing very well at all in the beginning of the year. So uh, I'm going to write that part off, because he's a better player than what he has shown. Um, The Senzel thing, though, is interesting, because he's a guy that is versatile. He can play in the outfield. He can play in the infield. And he crushes left-handed pitching and there's got to be some teams out there that are in contention that are looking for a right-handed hitter that crushes left-handed pitching and senzel might be that guy for that so do you package senzel with myers and and see if you can move two players at once or do you package senzel and myers and maybe a one of your really good prospects and get a, a bona fide pitcher in return so these are the things that that I don't know about because I don't know who's available out there. I don't know what the asking price is for a starting pitcher on the market nowadays. Uh, I don't know what the Reds are really willing to trade away. But I can tell you that the history of the Reds overall is that they fall fallen in love with their own players uh, a little bit more than they should have. And then when they go to try to trade those players, they realize that the value on the market is really not the value that they see internally. So I'm hoping that this time they look at it a little bit more practically and they start making some moves because you've got too few spaces for too many players. Good, usually a good thing, but in this case, it can be a problem, especially for David Bell when he's trying to find playing time and keep the energy of the team at the same level. And I can guarantee you that's one thing that he's thinking about right now is that how do I ensure that this attitude that this young ball club is playing is going to stay the same when all these players get off their rehab and come back from Louisville?
0: There's no doubt. Well, Chris, we can't thank you enough for your insight and for your time this morning. Uh, enjoy Houston, Texas. I don't know if they're still serving up that fried chicken in the media room every night. Oh. But although you you know, you're you're a lean dude. I mean, you really watch what you eat, so I don't know if you're going to be digging into that fried chicken. I'd have a I'd have go. a bib on and be knee deep in it. I'll tell you,
4: yeah, that, was, that was the only thing that Jeff Bradley has been talking about this whole week. trip, <laughs> fried chicken. I mean, he wants to fill up his carry-on bag with that and take it with him back home. But it's the only media room in baseball that has fried chicken every day of the week, including Sunday. And uh, it's amazing what you remember, Tom. And uh, hey, thanks for having me on. You're a great broadcaster. You've been an incredible partner over the years to me. I wish you a lot of luck and uh, hope I get to see you soon.
0: All right, brother enjoy houston thanks for the time buddy good seeing you you got it buddy all right man chris welsh kind enough to join us from down in houston texas that is a great stop i mean it really you know, the ballpark is awesome you know if people get wrapped up in this ballpark that but when you go watch a game in houston it is a great ballpark you got the retractable dome as chris mentioned it's really hot and humid down there So, you know, you might get to within five minutes of the first pitch, they've had the roof closed the whole time, and now the sun's going down, and boom, they open that bad boy up. Crowds are always really good when they're good, Uh, not when they were tanking a few years ago. But, I mean, there's just an energy. Something about Texas. There's just an energy about that place uh, that's different from a lot of other places. But, yeah, that media room now. Are you guys fried – everybody's a fried chicken fan, right? Yes. Yes yes I'll what's your chicken. favorite fried chicken here in cincinnati if you had to go one place to go get fried chicken where would you go my grandma's fried chicken okay okay but the rest of us can't go there. Paul, where <laughs> would you
2: uh yeah so my, so my answer actually was going to be lizzie's farm because it's fantastic uh <laughs> but since we can't do that um I'm trying to think. So usually when I get fried chicken, it's in like a buffalo chicken wrap. Oh, okay. All yeah, right. so I'll do the fried chicken in a chicken wrap. Um, I'm trying to think. I just had a really good one the other day, and I can't even remember where it was. You know, I, I'm going to say something
1: that's very controversial. Uh-oh. Kro- Kroger fried chicken is solid. Solid.
5: Solid. solid. Good. It's solid. Very, very, solid. very Maybe good. it wasn't very controversial. How about you guys? Ron's Roost. you ever hear of Ron's Roost? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Ron's Roost is one of my all-time favorites. Great fried chicken there.
3: Never been to Ron's Roost, but I'm a big fan of the Eagle in OTR. Good spot. Their chicken chicken sandwich, their half chicken is phenomenal.
0: I tell you, there's a place on the west side of town. Elliot, help me with this. I think it's called The Farm. Yeah, it's a— You uh, go up right there off River Road towards, like, Western Hills Country Club up there, and it sits off to the left hand—I mean, it's an institution. It's been there forever. Yes. Yeah. Yes. They used to bring that fried chicken down to the booth uh at Great American ballpark about two or three times a year. That place is unbelievable. 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 Yeah. is that place still open though? I you know what? It's interesting you asked that. Because uh, I
5: heard I heard maybe a couple years ago that they maybe they maybe they were kind of closing up shop, but I don't know. I don't know at this point, but I do remember eating the at the farm and that place is phenomenal. I tell you what's a great
0: place um on the east side of town. Um let me just see this here real quick. The farm since it that's on Anderson Ferry road. Yeah. Yeah. They're still open.
5: Okay. Yeah.
0: I mean, and, and, and people who grew up on the West side tell me that, that they've been to a dozen weddings there or receptions because yep. they got the conference space there. Right. I tell you, there's a place on, um, it's not 28. Um, I can't remember. It's in Milford. Um, uh, Getting starting to make your way towards the country part of Milford, um, is a place called Miami Market. You guys ever been there? No. No. So this place, they make fried chicken only two days a week. And people are lined up. Lined up to get it on the days they make it. And by the end of the day, done, done. Halfway through the day. It is lights out. Um, the Eagle is good. It's just expensive. Yeah. Like it's like
2: 25 bucks for a chicken sandwich, fries, and a beer from there, but it is, but it's good. It's good. It's good.
0: And that, that, that family, I mean, that, that, the, the two brothers that own that joint and they own, um, uh, Peg and Dolores down there and over the Rhine, they own a few other places. I'm drawing a blank on their name. They, 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 they really have a phenomenal, uh, business, uh, that they got going a number of different restaurants, but yeah, in Houston, Fried chicken. Now, there are other things every night, right? So, you know, something else like chicken fried steak. You ever had a good chicken fried steak? Now, that's the big leagues. A Texas chicken fried steak. With the gravy? Oh, got to have it. Got mm -hmm. green beans, mashed potatoes, right? Absolutely. You got to have it going on. The
3: drop-off from a good chicken fried steak to a bad chicken fried steak might be the biggest of yes. any meal.
0: As you would yes. know in Alabama.
3: A good chicken fried steak might be hard to beat.
0: Yes.
5: But if you get a bad chicken fried steak, it'll ruin your weekend. Now, Tom, do you, somebody asked in the chat, do you think a place like Chick-fil-A is overrated? No,
0: I don't. I think you they do like a phenomenal— I think they are the most consistent. Okay, I agree. Right? Is that's a fair word, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I, I think of all of the big chains— um, you know, the Wendy's and McDonald's, blah, blah, blah. I think they are without a doubt, whether you're stopping in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, whether you're stopping in uh, in Coleraine, whether you're stopping in Atlanta or anywhere, I, I think they're the most consistent of all. I agree. Yeah. I agree. I mean, I've never gone in there and gotten a chicken sandwich where it, it let you down. I've been in places where I went and got a quarter pounder with cheese and it let me down. Right? <laughs> yeah. But man, when you, get, when you get the good one, quarter pounder with cheese, hard to beat. Something that uh, Hamiltonians
1: will know, Billy Yanks, just right across, right across here. Yes,
0: and Jocko's down here. Has anybody yeah. tried their chicken? Reed, I we have not. We the,
2: the wheel has never spun us Jockos, so no.
0: You guys have never been to Jocko's.
2: We leave it up to the wheel. Okay. Not our fault. The When's wheel the hasn't next spin of the wheel? Um, uh, maybe today. We got, uh, we got chat power rankings today from Jake. Uh, yeah.
0: Oh, boy. Uh, Everett says Jocko's is fire. What is uh, WMB factory? What is that? Uh, Hopefully, I'm not getting myself into trouble here. A lot of people love Popeye's. Popeye's chicken sandwich is real good. Yeah, but I'm not that that's a big. It's got a lot of skin and a lot of, you know, it's, yeah, yeah. I still think KFC's solid.
5: I've been to KFC in a long time.
0: Big old bucket of KFC. (laughs) Do you right, pal. Yeah. (laughs) There's no doubt. No doubt. Um, Okay. Yeah. I mean, we're getting all kinds. uh, Yeah, Ron's just like you. And Kroger. Kroger really is. Yeah, you brought that up, uh, Casey. That is really good.
5: Never been to Rooster's. You
0: guys been there?
2: Never been. Rooster's
5: Rooster's yep. is solid. Rooster's Never heard solid. of it. Where is it? Yeah. It's it's right by it's kind of not right by my house. You know I don't know if you know Glenway Avenue if you know the yep. West Side. It's yep. right off Glenway Avenue, kind of towards Elder a little bit. Yeah, it's by and that They have some Donald's. other locations. Yeah. Right?
3: I think there's one over yeah. in Milford as well. Yeah, those those yep. aren't bad. Those
0: aren't bad. Yeah, Sir Boy Wonder says Miami Market that is on Route 131. Thank you for uh, for that Sir Boy Wonder. I would highly recommend. If for some reason you find yourself uh, out in Claremont County, out on the east side of town, you have got to stop uh, at uh, Miami Market. But
2: Kroger's is good, though. Solid. Like, you, you go and you need some fried chicken for a picnic or something yep. for a night.
0: Yep. It is really good. I just did it for a lacrosse tailgate we had. And, I mean, I was, it, it was fantastic.
3: Yeah. Someone yep. in the chat, speaking my language, said Publix has the best fried chicken.
0: No, I've not been into right. one of those. Are those
3: good? Publix does it right. Their deli, their fried chicken sandwich is – unbelievable and it's cheap it's about eight bucks for a whole long sub
0: but see that's the difference with you young guys and i know this is with luke is that um is that you guys tend to and you both have alluded to it whether it's a wrap or in a sandwich it seems like a lot of the a lot of the younger guys you guys like it in sandwich form yeah more than just a fried chicken yeah piece of fried just stick your mug in there and grease it up (laughs) right right that's what you like Casey. You're, you're not a chicken sandwich guy, right?
1: I'm an all-thing. I'm an all-chicken type guy. Okay. But I, if I had the choice, like you're suggesting, just give me a piece of fried chicken.
2: Amen. I think fried chicken might actually end up being what we do at our wedding. <laughs> yeah, baby. Really? Fried chicken I and pulled pork. Yeah, because Lizzie's family, that's, awesome. that, that's like what they do uh, – when they you know for big like family get-togethers and stuff like that and their uncles are the one i mean it's it's crazy when they fry it up and you know that it's coming oh it's they do it it is so so good and so i was talking to her i was like fried chicken pulled pork green beans mashed potatoes and a little mac and cheese sounds great to me how
0: are you going wrong with that how are you going the wrong only with that? people that are going to be bent out of sure sh- well of course it's your <laughs> wedding yeah. so i mean your <laughs> bride-to-be Chances are her family and friends they're all about sticking their mug in a in, in a big old piece of fried chicken. Now your crowd a little more on the you know the East, East Coast. East Coast, you know, not gonna go vegan, but I'm just saying they're, you know, grill they're a little more highfalutin. They're gonna grill I breasts. don't know how that will sit with them. Fried chicken and do you say pulled pork? Yeah. Okay. Compared to say what? Salmon? filet mignon why are the rest of you guys nodding you guys are all these these liberal elite private school guys casey and i are the only two public school guys in a room (laughs) that's right tom
1: we we pretty much lived off of fried chicken these guys salt of the earth
0: i remember digging through i don't know what made me just like this i remember i just got my braces off and they give you those retainers right Well, I had lost two retainers like within a solid month. So I'm in Wendy's after a sporting event of some kind and that I was playing it as a kid. And I remember my parents telling me, they said, if you lose one more of those, your teeth are going to go crooked and we're never going to pay to fix them again. So I'm in a Wendy's right on Beachmont Avenue where I grew up out in Anderson. I jump in the car to leave, and I realize that I don't have my retainer, that I had put it on the tray and subsequently dumped the tray into the garbage. Oh, no.
1: Please don't tell me.
0: Well, like an hour had gone by by the time I realized it. Oh, no. So I come back into Wendy's, go to the garbage can inside the restaurant, and start digging through there. And, I mean, let me tell you, brother. People with ketchup and I mean, it's just, it's brutal. Well, I don't know what made me think that I had, it's like, you know, a needle in a haystack. I ended up in the dumpster for a solid 40 minutes, looking around for that retainer. That was one of the darkest moments of my childhood. I can still remember the smell and the feel of standing in that dumpster, picking through, oh, Oh, it's a bad moment. I didn't mean to share that. That's neither here nor there. Did you find him. it? Hell no, I didn't find it. Are you
1: kidding me? No. I thought the story was going to end up with you. I wish it would have.
0: I thought You were
1: going to tell us that you searched all four and then you realized that you actually had them in your mouth or something. Not a chance.
0: No, no, no. Which is possible, but no, no, no. Um, all right, Hammond Eggers, take it away. We have a Charlie Goldsmith coming up at uh, 1130. Talk about the Bengals. Charlie, by the way, I think – uh, after the minicamp, I, I got to ask this guy today. Does this guy ever stop?
2: No. I think no. he went
0: down to Louisville to watch the Vado game and Encarnacion Strand. He was the one that posted about Vado hitting the home run of double two walks and Encarnacion Strand starting in right field. I had asked him to be on this show the last couple of days, but he couldn't because he had to work down at uh, minicamp. He must have jumped in the car and, 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 and shot down to Louisville Anyway, we'll talk to him about that. He's coming up at 1130. We're going to get into when we come back. We'll talk a little Reds and about what this series really does mean. You know, all of us tend to, you know, so like I did in the monologue, right? Is this the start of something big? You're playing the defending world champion Astros, you know? But let's face it. The Astros are really down right now. They're not playing well. They've had a lot of guys hurt. Uh, Michael Brantley has not played the entire year. They recently had to sit down. Altuve was out forever after getting hit with a pitch in spring training. Uh, Bregman has been nicked up. Uh, They have – they lost Verlander at free agency. Lance McAllister, Jr. And Lance McAllister, Jr. Are you kidding me? (laughs)
6: Lance
0: McCullers, Jr. Lance, I love you, brother. You know that. Um, He's done for the year. Just had surgery on Tuesday. They've brought up, much like the Reds, a bunch of these young pitchers, one of them tonight they're going to see in J.P. France, who's actually pitched really well. His last three starts, he's gone six, six and two-thirds, seven. So so Dusty's keeping them out there, right? Uh, But, you know, say they went down there and and, and they went two out of three over the weekend. But then they come home and they lay an egg against Colorado, get blown out of the gym by Atlanta. You know, do you look back and think, well, was that Houston series really all that big a deal, right? So we're going to talk about this series tonight. Also going to talk a little bit about this Rob Manfred thing. I mean, was the guy telling the truth? You may like Rob Manfred. You may not like Rob Manfred. We alluded to his tone yesterday in the comments he made. Uh, surrounding Oakland and the impending move, it looks like now, with the legislature signing off on the deal, the governor of Nevada signs off on the deal. Um, you know. But was he telling the truth? Because all of a sudden, these stories have shown up everywhere, on The Athletic, on ESPN.com, in the local papers out in the Bay Area, you know, and all of the heart-tugging stories about, oh, what the A's mean, To the fans in Oakland, and I'm not diminishing that. But the fans don't go to the games in Oakland. And so the easiest thing is always to kick the billionaire, right? And I'm not defending John Fisher, the owner of the team. I'm not. But there are a lot of things going on here that he has tried to do that for one reason or multiple reasons have not gone anywhere. And I found it appalling yesterday when the mayor of Oakland, California comes out and says, Oh, we've been trying to do this and do this and do this and do this. That is total BS. All right? If you want to kick Fisher to the curb, that's fine. And there are reasons to do so. But, 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 but give me a break. The politicians jumping in, I don't care what side of the aisle, the politicians, oh my God, we've done everything to keep the A's, is total BS. Total BS. Ham and Eggers, here we go.
5: It's that type of the show, the Ham and Eggers. These guys are great. Trust me, I would know. I introduce all the best segments.
2: All right, the Bengals Report coming up here from Charlie Goldsmith. It's brought to you by Encore Technologies. Encore Technologies provides IT solutions for a data-centered world with a suite of services from mobile computing to desktop to data center. Supporting both centralized and work-from-home computing models to improve efficiency and productivity. That's right, Casey. Visit Encore.tech. The path to innovation begins here. There's also Pawnee Water. If you are following Reed Mouse Radio on Twitter, you saw that Reed tweeted out a picture last night from the River's Edge concert series. It was a picture of a Pawnee Water bottle. They are the official and premier and I think sole water partner of the River's Edge Concert Series right here in Hamilton, Ohio. It's right, right down the road from our office here. Pawnee Water is made in Hamilton. They're made right across the street from us. I was telling Jacob and Elliot the other day when we were walking out after work, I said, yeah, well, there's Pawnee Water. And they said, oh, we didn't realize it, it actually was made like right across the street. Yeah, it's right across the street in Hamilton, Ohio. It uses natural limestone filtration unlike the artificial processing that many other brands use, and the result is a healthy alkaline water that is also the best tasting water in the world. You can visit their website at poniwater.com. That is P-A-H-H-N-I water.com. P-A-H-H-N-I water.com to see where you can buy gas stations all over the place. Bet with Betfred, get your coffee from UDF, drink Pawnee water, and get your technology solutions from Encore.tech. Make sure you like the stream. We are at 37 likes right now. Got over 130 people watching this show live right now. Like the stream, subscribe to the YouTube channel, and also go download the podcast. Chatterbox Reds is one of the most popular baseball podcasts on Apple in the entire country right now. It's consistently in the top 50. It's been bouncing up and down the charts. So if you want to go listen to more about the Reds, they did an off-day episode today. Make sure you go in, download that. You can listen to that. Download this show, leave a rating, leave a review. We'd love to get some ratings and reviews on the shows. Kind of helps the algorithm out. So make sure you go and uh, leave a rating and a review.
5: The Z Brazilian air. Ooh. Yes, the Z Zillionaire. We lost. Mm. Um I don't know. I don't know how I don't, you know, I don't really know what to say. It was a tough loss. Sonny Gray decided to only pitch four innings, seventy-five. 75 throws, he couldn't couldn't go farther than that. It's pretty bad. I'm not going to lie. But you know what? It was never a doubt. We'll be back next week, and it was never a doubt. But Monday, Monday, everybody tune in Monday. I'll be taken to the streets, and everybody's going to dump water all over me. That's what's going to happen.
2: Paul? Yes. I'm all about it. I mean, I hate to keep – like punishing you like this. But I don't really feel bad because you're doing it all to yourself. Yeah, it's, it's not true. like
5: we're doing it to you. No, you yeah, I'm doing it to, to myself. But I want to entertain the people. The people just want some entertainment.
2: Well, at some point, though, does it get to be too much? I mean, I know we've only done the pie so far. Yeah, so no, it's not, yeah. We haven't crossed that threshold yet. But at some point, punishment's. There's, yeah, there's
5: going to be a line at some point, probably a year from now, maybe a maybe year and a half, who knows. But there will be a punishment where I just can't come back from it. And that point might be the end of my tenure here. What do you we'll th- see. What do you think that is? I don't know. I don't know what the – it would have to get to, like, 300, 400 likes. And then, I, like, I don't know, like, I'll get hit by a car or something. Something, something <laughs> yes. just absolutely atrocious will have to happen to me. And then I'll just be done. I don't Can somebody who it please was?
0: bring me up to date on, on what the hell you're talking about with him getting water dumped all over him? <laughs> yeah, so
2: he's been doing a video on Twitter right. every day for the last week. And he has to have a winning record on that bet. He does a bet in the, in the video. If he has a winning record over the course of the week, then he avoids water. If he has a losing record, so if he goes two and three, gets water dumped on him. Goes okay. three and two. By who? Uh, one of us. One of us. Okay. All right. Maybe all of us. Okay. Because once you get a little white, might as well get a lot Probably, of white. Right. Probably
3: all of us. Probably all We're
0: of us. We're not wasting great pony water on that, though. No. Nope. No. Okay. No. Okay. No. This is good old Hamilton, Ohio water. The Hamilton best tap water in the world.
3: <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. Best tap well,
5: I, water. By the way, when I was, so when I was driving in this morning, there was an army of geese blocking the road, blocking that uh, bridge. Geese. Geese. Yes. So, I, so it was just an army of them. I want to say there was 50 geese, and traffic was stopped. So I had to just honk. I, was, I, I didn't hit the gas. My mind, you know, my subconscious was telling me just hit the gas. But I didn't. I drove around, I had to drive like in the, I only, my car almost fell over the ravine into the lake or river, whatever the hell that is. I, 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 but I had to drive around all these geese to get here this morning. So I guess geese run Hamilton, Ohio. Hamilton, Ohio is just geese country. It is. We, we're all about nature here in Hamilton. Right? Right. Absolutely. We gotta be
0: why is everybody beating up on uh, reed mouse today the guy's working for Eleven. did you say he had to be downtown at five in the morning today
2: yeah he's working a event today i don't know what the event is with our
0: jumbotron whatever the,
2: the video board yeah. yeah he's working an event today so reed is not in so no box lunch today we're going to do that box court deal on uh on monday. uh geno smith and that'll be on monday got plenty okay. of time to prepare for it
3: can't wait can't wait
0: All right. Um, So the power rankings come out near the end of the show today. Chat power rankings. Chat power rankings, right? So uh, you you feel good about where you are? Casey, are we good on that? I sent you the— Wait a minute. Have you already determined somebody can't make a late run down the stretch they come? (laughs) Oh,
3: I sent him my top five, but I told him in the next text that there is subject to change. (laughs) Because there's someone on that top five that I have not seen yet, and they will not be in the top five. Really? Oh! It will not be you want to name who that is. I won't do it. I won't do it. People have to wait and see. Because he can earn that spot back if he shows up here. We got a whole hour of the show left.
2: I'm trying to think who that might be because I've seen a lot of the regulars. Oh, I know exactly who it is, actually. I know exactly who it is. And you're right. He has not been in today. Let's
3: not say. Oh, I'm not saying, but I know exactly
2: who it is. Okay. (laughs) I'll give you a hint, though. The initials are the same. Back-to-back initials. Am I thinking of the right guy, Jacob?
3: No. No, but you're on the right track. Oh,
5: now oh, I know you Oh, really? Okay, now
0: then, I'm, a, then I'm in about. the dark. You're in the dark. Oh, okay. I'm wow. in the dark. Okay. Paul's normally not in the dark. Wow. He's always in the light. Mm. All right, I want to get to this thing I brought up a second ago with this series down in Houston. I want to hear what all you guys have to say about this. So, you know, look, the Reds have been playing really good baseball uh, for the last two and a half weeks. I think it was 13 of their last 19, 10 of their last 13, I think it is. So they're playing well, really well. And in a crummy division uh, after last night, they pick up a half game without even playing because the Pirates lost. So they're a half game behind Milwaukee, one game behind Pittsburgh for the division lead. Besides it being a game on the schedule and you are where you are, I'll start, Elliot, with you, and we'll work around the horn here. Um, Are you putting a ton of stock into this series?
5: Yeah, I mean, yes. Yes, I am. They're one game back right now. At some point, you have to win when the games matter, right? You know, you're kind of playing with house money when you're five games out, six games out, seven games out. You're just trying to do your job and hope the other teams kind of lose. One game back, you control your destiny. Jacob told me earlier, uh, Houston is down their three best starting pitchers. Yep. They're, I think, down their, their, their two best uh, relief pitchers. Great. They used their – Brian Presley's pitch back-to-back games the last two
3: days. Their other top two relievers outside of him pitched last yep. night. So you just expect we don't see him. Is tonight.
5: Alvarez hurt too? Is Jordan, Alvarez? Jordan is on the aisle. Their, yep. best, their best hitter is out. This is a series that you need to win. It's not a, it's not a must win. It's a need to win. You're one game back. I think at the end of this series, you win two or three, we're going to be in first place. Now, is it a can't tied, lose? Tied for first. Is it a can't lose? It's not a can't lose. It's a must win. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, Big difference. But no, I, I, think it's, I think that's fair. If you get swept in the series, now all of a sudden you're four games back and you're, and, and you're just fighting uphill again. You have to win when the games matter. You have to. And if, if you can't beat a good opponent, then what are we doing? It, it, I mean, you, you, at some point you have to beat good teams. You have to. And this is, this is the test. This is a big, big, big time test right now. Jacob.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head here. I, would, I think if we're going to beat the Astros in a series, it's setting up perfectly for us to have that opportunity. So I, we can't get swept. Can't go 0-3. Got to win one. I, I mean, I really want to win this series. If we can come back from this brutal away stretch, winning every series, I mean, we're in a good spot. Take that. Take that momentum into a nice homestand. We can really make something happen here and gain some ground in the NL. Maybe even get a couple games up.
2: Paul, you know, I uh, I'm, I'm sitting here reading this chat, which is just going absolutely bananas right now. Um, you know, I I, I kind of go back and forth here on on this whole deal, and I just I I'm I don't know. I'm at uh, it's it's just a, such a weird point, right, in where you're trying to figure out what you're. I don't know. It's like I'm at a loss for words because we talk about it so much. We try to figure out where we are, where we stand, and what the prospects of things are going forward. And you don't want to commit yourself to a to a situation here where you're over you're over extending your excitement. I guess is where I am, but at the same time, kind of kind of I don't know, man. Right? You're 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 kind of thinking to yourself. I don't know. I'm rambling here. I'm trying to come up with something that's unique that Jacob and Elliot didn't both just say. You don't have to
0: come up with anything. I'm just you know. I I just spent 30 seconds
2: winding my way through the woods of trying to come up with something unique. I'm I'm Michael Scott at that situation. A better way of asking, right? Maybe a better way of
0: asking. Shame on me. Is if they lose two out of three, does it all of a sudden make you think? And they might only they might lose two out of three, and they might still be one game out of first place, right? But if they lose two out of three. Are you saying well All right, this has been kind of fun, but they finally played a real team. No, I don't think so.
2: Okay. I don't think so. I don't like I said. Well, in my Michael Scott situation right there. Like I said, I'm not I'm trying to temper the expectations, but I also don't think that losing two out of 3 all of a sudden just negates all of the progress you made in the last two weeks because okay. this is a good Now, if you go in the next stretch into the All-Star break, and you, I don't know how many games are between now and the All-Star break. We'll get to that in a minute. But maybe, let's just call it 20. I, I don't know if that's the number. It might be less. Let's just call it 20 games into the All-Star break. Uh, you go 8-12 and 12 in there, then you're like, ah. that's That would be disappointing.
1: I, you know, I'm looking at the schedule. I'm not even really all that concerned with the Houston series. I'm more concerned how they perform against Colorado. I care way more about that. Like, let, let's take care of our own division first, right? League. Let's get that. League. League. Whatever. League, divisions, they're the same. It's right. <laughs> well, this year, they
0: damn near are the same. It didn't used to be. But, I mean, you're still – you're playing more games in your division, but you're not playing as many. But your point, Kate – I mean, you know, when you look at – we mentioned that you got three in Houston. And, and you're seeing three pitchers that most of you at home have never heard of. Uh. Colorado comes in, terrible team. They just lost Charlie Blackman. They stink. Okay. But then the Braves for three at home. I think the Braves are the best team in the league, my own personal opinion. You go to Baltimore, which in many ways is a team a lot like the Reds in that they're very young, although Baltimore is a year ahead of schedule than where the Reds are. Right, because Baltimore had a good year last year with all these young guys that they brought up. But they're very much a contending team. Then the Padres come to town. Now, we know they have been, along with the Mets, the biggest disappointment in the National League. But they're still the Padres. And when you look at that lineup, you're like, whoa. Okay, then you get a little breather with the Nationals, theoretically. But then you play the Brewers three in a row. You have the All-Star break. Those games will be on on the road. And then you play the Brewers again after the All-Star break. And then you're getting a look for the first time all year at the Giants, who are playing well. The Diamondbacks, who have played great. So we're talking about a schedule now where, you know, We've been talking, are the Reds going to make a move? We had Chris Welsh on earlier. Uh, are they going to go out and sw- swing a trade? Um, and, you know, you'll have a much better idea about where this team stands getting closer to the All-Star break. These series I'm talking about leads you right up to that trade deadline. Yep. Right?
2: Yeah, no, you're right. And it's a a situation, you know, somebody points out in the chat, like this is a situation where you could go into the trade deadline and figure out how aggressive you want to be too. You're not going to be sellers at the trade deadline, obviously, but how aggressive do you want to buy at the trade deadline? Is this team actually any good or is this all just a mirage? That will kind of show itself now over the next three to four weeks. And if it's not – I think there is definitely a mirage aspect to this because – you're playing teams that are not very good and you're going through one of the weakest points in your schedule this season and now you have to go backtrack that and play teams that are very good. The decision, though, becomes if you at least survive this stretch, even if you go 500, if you survive this stretch and you get to the end of July and you're at a point where you're two or three games back, depending on even who is in first place at that point, the Cardinals are still struggling. Maybe it's the Pirates that are still in first place or... Maybe the Reds are in first place by a game. Then, again, you don't mortgage your future based on just this one season. But at the same time, you can afford to be much more aggressive in identifying your needs, which right now are starting pitching, and also at the same time trying to figure out what you can deal. Because it's like the same point that I made to you the other day, Tom, where you have this plethora of depth in the minor leagues. You don't sell off everything. But maybe there's one or two guys you can afford to flip for some starting pitching that maybe if things break the right way and you get lucky this year and you get yourself into the postseason, whether it's through winning the Central or getting in through the wildcard, you're probably getting in through the Central. Like if you're looking at the betting odds, the betting odds to get in just to get in and the betting odds to win the NL Central are not all that far apart. Like the, the value there is winning the Central. So if you figure you're winning the Central, then is this team that good to do that? Do you go and you flip a guy or two to try and and achieve that goal? I don't – it seems like that's a very divisive topic right now amongst Red's Twitter is what you do if you find yourself in that situation on the third week of July. Me personally, I'm always somebody that would say, if you're in a spot to win, go win. But the Reds are also set up so well to win in the future that you want to. You don't obviously want to just put all your eggs in one basket for this season. That's the dumbest thing you could do, besides selling off everybody.
5: But I don't think you have. to – I don't think you sh- like putting all the eggs in one basket. You don't have to do that. You don't have to go all the way in. But you have to be competitive, right? The, the good teams, the Cardinals, the Dodgers. These teams don't like coast at the at the trade deadline. They don't sell or coast. They go. They 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 push their eggs. Not all of them. But a lot of them, you know, they, they, they go like a quarter, not all the way, 75% in, right? And I I think that's that's where, like, Cincinnati fans have, like, their, our minds have been warped with all the losing over the years, where if we're, we're afraid to go all the way in because it's not the right time or something. Good teams do that. Good teams try when they're good. The Reds need to try. If, if, if the Reds are in a position to win the NL Central, and it will be that, the wild card will be occupied by – either two NL West teams and one uh, NL East team. There'll be some kind of uh, f- uh, formation of that. The Reds will have to win the Central. And if, if the Reds are in a position to win it, you go. You can't sell. Don't, don't, just start, don't quit halfway through. The Baltimore Orioles did that last year. The, Bar- the Baltimore Orioles were good at the deadline. They sold everything. They kind of went down in a, in, a, in, a tank, in a tank position. So the Reds, if they're in a position to win the Central, you go. That's what you have to do it. You yep. have to go. I'm with you all the way. You got to go do it. With
0: all the, the apathy coming into the year, ownership, how people felt about that, payroll. The, the, the payroll, though, you know, I, I don't have a problem with a payroll because it's the direction that your franchise has decided it was going to go. And the young guys don't make any money. So naturally, your payroll is going to drop. Look, um, I see faults in the ownership just like everybody else does. Uh, But there have been plenty of years the Reds have spent plenty of money to try and go out and win. Uh, So for a fan base to just say entirely that this ownership grew, uh, when it came in, Bob Castellini promised championship baseball coming back to Cincinnati. We know that has not happened. Uh, They've not won a playoff series since 1995. So, you know, Carl Linder before him, so on and so forth. Um, But there have been years where the Reds have gone out and tried to make it happen. And, I mean, even as recently as two years ago when they traded for Bauer. That team should have been good enough to win a playoff series. And they don't
5: score a run. Not one. Yep, and I, but I think the issue is we're accustomed to quitting now. I, they quit right after it. You can't quit in 2021 when they sold everything, and people will say, oh, it's great. And I know we got a ton of our prospects, the guys that we're looking at right now saying, we're so excited for you. We got a lot of those from those deals. But that was a playoff team that dealt with a lot of injuries that was not given a second chance at running it back because the ownership... Again, they've done a lot of good things, but unfortunately, they've also done a lot of bad things. I believe they've they've started to quit too early. I don't know if it was because of the coronavirus. I don't know what it was. But that's that's what we're accustomed to right now. We've had three rebuilds in five years. You don't do that. That doesn't happen. Shouldn't happen. Okay.
0: All right. Well, I just look at the, you know, this team was never going to win. And this isn't a knock on him. Personally, but, but Winker was one of those guys, for example, that you could never count on. Yeah. He was hurt a lot. You know, he had one very solid year. I mean, where he played and, but I mean, look, he's on his second team since leaving here. Yep. Right. It was a disaster in Seattle for multiple reasons. What you believe, what you don't believe. And I like Winker as a guy. I really like him. I think he's got a great personality, great sense of humor, loves to laugh. I always really enjoyed being around him. Um, And Suarez, I've said before, um, uh, of all the players I've been around in in, broadcast and baseball games for 30-plus years, one of my favorite guys I ever met in the game. But it was time to move on. He was declining. Winker, you couldn't count on. You had to do something. I look at the rest of that team and look. Here's the way I feel about this stuff, to, to your point. When you're a small market franchise, you give your particular group of players. In my opinion, you give them two years to make the most of it. And what that mean, what I mean by that is it's like that 2010 through 2013 bunch, right? Yep. They had a chance in 10. They don't win a game. Swept by Philly. 2012, they're up 2-0. Lose three in a row to San Francisco. 2013, one game playoff. They get beat. That whole group had its shot. Right? And now it's time to start wheeling and dealing. What's not what they did then. Right? Yeah. They hung on to Bruce. They hung on to Frazier. They hung on to all the Roldis Chapman. Phillips. all, All of them. Way too long right way too long and that group of players together as a unit now I'm not saying every one of them had to go but their value was never higher and they didn't do it and look what happened by the time you now wanted to start peeling guys off you get a situation with Chapman who's the best closer in the game at the time but he has some gun that goes off at a house town in Miami. Now, all of a sudden, he looks like he's facing a suspension. You're trying to get what you can for him. You get nothing for him, really. And so you go from there, right on down the line. Bruce, Frazier, all of them. The, the, the Cueto trade, I mean, you talk about a disaster. That's one of the worst trades in all of baseball history. Yeah, it is. Those three guys, and everybody thought they were going to be good. That's where you can't miss on those trades. So this group is going to get probably about a three, three four-year run while you've got them under control. But I love what Chris said, and I've heard him say that a thousand times, quoting his, uh, one of his partners through the year is George Grant. You don't pick the year you want to contend. The year picks you. And we don't know what this team is going to look like, how players are going to be playing this time next year, June 2024. We don't know. We can have hope. You can make projections. You can do all these things. But what if this guy doesn't do it? What if that guy doesn't do it? What if this guy gets hurt? And all of a sudden, you're the Cardinals of next year, right? Yep. Because if the Reds finish strong this year, They're going to be looked at like the Cardinals were going into this season. Best team in the division, best talent, blah, blah, blah. Next thing you know, you look up and you're 15 under. Yep. Tom,
2: I will continue to beat this analogy into the ground. And I don't think that this is the perfect analogy. I think that this may have been closer to the Bengals from last year. But the Bengals kind of proved it wrong, went back to the AFC Championship but I will continue to beat the door down of that 2012 NBA Finals team, the Oklahoma City Thunder. And they had Russell Westbrook, they had Kevin Durant, they had James Harden, and everybody thought that that team, you know, they got killed by the heat that year. LeBron won the title, and everybody thought, God, this young core, three generational players all on the same team, they're going to be back. The the Thunder are going to be what everybody thought the the Warriors ended up being. Then the team – they they it just the guys went their separate ways it never worked out and the thunder have never even been close to being back i'm not saying that that is the reds my the loose analogy there though is when you have an opportunity to win with a young core that 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 nba finals analogy probably applies to the 2024 reds that's probably the better option there because everybody will be up and hopefully you're not talking about them being the cardinals next year but in a loose way, you just never know. You never know in sports nope. with injuries. And when you have at least an opportunity, that when you have a chance. But I just don't know if this team this year, like, again, we're only set, about to be 70 games into the season. If we're sitting here on August 1st having this conversation, that's a whole lot different because then it's nut-cutting time.
0: Then well, and the trade deadline's passed.
2: Yeah, that's what I mean. Then then it's, this is a whole different discussion. Right now, everybody feels good. You beat up on the bad teams, which is what you're supposed to do. The NL Central is, is wide open, and everybody's feeling good. If we're still having this conversation on August 1st, August 15th, when it really, really matters, then, then it's a different story.
0: Nick Kirby jumps in the chat, adds the Reds should be wheeling and dealing while they are trying to compete. Says the Rays traded Blake Snell, still won 100 games the next year. Guardians traded Francisco Lindor and still competed. Now those were household names in those areas. And one thing about Cincinnati, we love our own, right? I'd be curious to hear Nick's opinion. We'll get him on the show next week. But what if, what if the Reds look at this thing and they say, you know what, and we've talked about this before, I mean, John Smoltz got it from somewhere. He's not some guy that's looking to get clicks and likes and all the other stuff, right? I mean, he's a pretty grounded, regular dude, right? He's not looking for all the fanfare. He got that Alexis Diaz story from somebody. You just make it up, right? All right, but again, two guys in particular, you ask yourself if wheeling and dealing while you're trying to compete is what the Reds should be doing. If you believe that, if the Reds feel like their best chance to get the best needs addressed, and we all believe starting pitching would be at the top of the list. If Nick Kral decided, you know what? Shipping Jonathan Indian out of here tomorrow is the best way to make that happen. How are you going to react to that? Captain America? Uh, gone? This is a question, though, I'm asking. You have to. You, all of us are guilty of this if you're a fan of a particular team. You get attached to guys, right? Yep. Okay. This town, in a lot of ways, has become... They're, they're not all in on India, but he has been around. It's pretty close. Yeah, yeah. it's pretty okay. close. You know what I'm saying. Yep. Okay, it's only his third year. Mm-hmm. And he had a great, he had a really good rookie year. He, he was hurt. and He wasn't very good last year. But if Nick Crawl, who most people around these parts are saying is the executive of the year, if he's sitting in his office down on Joe Nuxall Way right now, surrounded by all his baseball people, and they've been making calls and sniffing around about this, 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 and this. Let's just assume this for a minute. Do you trust Nick Kral? All the great trades that he has made now, okay? But all of those were for prospects. This would be the kind of deal where you're bringing guys that can make an impact right now, starting pitcher or two. Do you trust Nick Kroll enough where all of a sudden, if he got up on the podium at Great American Ballpark later this afternoon and said, the Reds have traded Jonathan India.
5: Throw a party you fill there. in the blank. Okay? And, you're, and, you're, and you said you're trading for a, a competitive pitcher now. or Right now. Right now. Then I'd be happy. But my fear is, and my fear is, and what I think has been accustomed to right now in Cincinnati with all the prospects if you trade India at the deadline, say we're still competitive, one, three games back, maybe a couple games up. At the deadline, we trade India for a couple prospects. We trade the best closer in the National League in Diaz. We trade him for some more prospects. Rest of the season goes in the tank, but everybody else says, oh, wait, this wasn't our year anyway. We'll be good in 2025. That's my fear. That is my fear, and that I think could happen. I think they could trade India for a couple more prospects, which I don't think, I don't. I, again, obviously the prospect game works, right? It, you've, you're seeing it now. But I think at some point you have to win now. And if the Reds are in a, in a competitive position to take the NL Central, you have to capitalize on it. You have to. But to, to answer your question, if if it's India for a, a player right now, I trade India. Well, I mean, pick a name. I, know, I, I, I Shane know, Bieber.
0: Yeah, you're right. He's a name that comes up often in the chat here. Uh, guy has been a very good pitcher. Very good. Right? Very good pitcher. And he would be – on paper, the best pitcher in this rotation since Bauer left. Yep. Agree? 100%. Okay, or Castillo. Flip a coin, right. Um, boy, how would Castillo look right now. Anyway, um, <laughs> so but you know right. what I'm getting at here. What, yeah. what, 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 what do you think? I mean, you, you'd be okay with that? I,
3: Me and Evan Maurer are hand-in-hand hand here. I want India traded, and I really don't care if it's for a starting pitcher back anyway. I think our – Team gets better with Jonathan India out of the middle infield. Matt McClain at second base and Ellie La Cruz at short is by far the best middle infield we can have, in my opinion, at least for the future. I mean, Ellie's not going to play third base. You don't take – the number one prospect in baseball doesn't move positions. He's going to be our shortstop of the future. See,
0: I don't know about that one yet. I don't know about that one yet. His body type's going to be a prototypical kind of third baseman. But I get what you're saying. I don't
3: disagree, but the Cincinnati Reds – as a small market team in the MLB, you don't have a chance at superstars very often. And that's what we, like it or not, need Ellie to be. He needs to be what we've all made him out to be so far, and that is a shortstop. And that means Matt McClain will play second, and Jonathan India, if he's not willing to move to the outfield like Spencer Steer offered to do, like it seems Christian Encarnacion Strand is offering to do to help this team win, and he doesn't want a DH, he wants to be a second baseman, then he doesn't have a spot on this team. And if he's a real great leader that everyone loves – then he would offer to do that. Then he would offer to move to benefit the team. So if, if he's not willing to take a step back, to take a hit to his ego, take a hit to his bank account and move to help this team win right now, then I don't know that he has a spot here.
0: I don't know. I think I fall into Scott Boris camp here on this one about asking him to move right now. I, I, I don't know if I like that or not. I, I do find it curious, though. I must say this. I do find it curious that you're not afraid to ask Encarnacion Strand to move yesterday. Yep. Right? I mean, you asked him. Some might say, well, one's a minor league or one's a big leaguer. If these are two guys that you want to be on your major league team as part of leading a franchise to getting into the playoffs and maybe one day contending for a World Series, at the end of the day, what in the hell is the difference between asking India to go out there tomorrow when you just asked Encarnacion Strand to do the same thing yesterday.
3: I, mean, I couldn't agree more. You asked Spencer Steer. Spencer Steer finally starts playing a good third base. You move him to first. He starts playing a good first base. You move him to left field. We obviously don't care about moving players around. We're not worried about them getting hurt playing a new position because we're doing it with guys seemingly every night. Yep, Nick Senzel, Jose Barrero. It's not great. Yeah, it's It's what, it's what we've, we've done it with everyone. It seems like we're not afraid to move anyone but Jonathan India. And I, I can't figure out why. It's
0: a good point. Well, you talk about Beaver now. I mean, boy, this cat's numbers are sick. Sick. Career 3.1 ERA. Career.
5: You want to say, young right? Struck
0: out nearly 900 batters and not even walked 180 in his career. Career whip 1.110. And this year, 3.2 ERA, a little higher than last year, 2.88. A um, couple times, he's already thrown more than 200 innings in a season. Had to battle injuries a couple years ago, but came back through 200 last year. He's almost at 90 this year in 14 starts. Man, how would he look in your, your starting rotation? Whew. You imagine going in and playing the Reds in a three-game series. If they swung a deal for Shane Bieber and all of a sudden you had, and I don't care who you're playing, you can play the Dodgers. If all of a sudden in a three-game series, because the Dodgers outside of Kershaw, everybody and his brother has gone down with an injury in that rotation. Everybody. If you play the Dodgers tomorrow and you run out Bieber, Green, Abbott, How are you looking? Looking pretty damn good. But how do you feel about Green, Abbott, Williamson? Not quite the same. All right. uh, I asked a question. He wasn't here to answer it. Now he is. Kind enough to join us. Our good friend from Cincinnati.com, The Inquirer, Charlie Goldsmith, covers everything in the town. The only thing I haven't seen him at is high school lacrosse here in Cincinnati. But uh, outside of that, I think he's got everything else covered. Charlie, how are you today?
6: Doing well. How'd, uh, how'd the lacrosse season end up this year? We got beaten in the state final
0: four, Charlie. But, you know, uh, it was a good year. You know, it's our uh, 11th or 12th straight year to the state final four. So, uh, not bad. Hey, um, did you go to minicamp and then drive down to Louisville yesterday?
6: I did not. I, I just watched the bats on TV last night.
0: Okay. All right. Okay. Talk to me about, real quick, uh, because we'll get to the Bengals in a minute. But, you know, we were just sitting here, uh, you weren't with us yet, talking about, well, yesterday I made the comment that when I look at this division, as we sit here today, I think it would be a disappointment now. I don't care about March and April and May, middle of June, I say it's a disappointment if the Reds don't make the playoffs, when I stack them up against the other teams in the National League Central. Do you believe that's fair?
6: I'm not quite there yet, especially because of some of the normal, typical rookie struggles I think you would expect from some players the Reds are counting on right now. Um, The trade deadline is a long conversation. I don't think necessarily going all in for just the 2023 season is the smartest way to go. The only way I would say, you know, this year has to be a division title year, would be if A, the Reds were older or B, they were more aggressive at the deadline specifically for this year. And I wouldn't quite say that just yet, but hey, they're in it. They've certainly exceeded expectations so far and they will have a chance to play their way into a conversation to where in August, I think we really could be saying that pretty definitively.
0: Um, do, do you think with that in mind, I asked a question a second ago, would you trust... And look, the guy's earned a lot of high marks. Nick Kroll, the job he's done with this franchise. A lot of people saying this guy's the National League Executive of the Year this year, maybe, right? Depending on how the rest of it goes. But if all of a sudden they're sitting down there on Joe Nuxall way and they say to themselves, you know what? We'd have Bieber under control. I'm just using him as an example. We got Bieber under control for another year after this year. We know he's healthy this year. He's pitching very well this year. We're going to have him next year to go along with a healthy Lodolo, Hunter Green, Abbott. I mean, what a fortune that potentially could be, right? Would you trust Crawl to all of a sudden say, you know what? The only way that this is going to happen is if a guy like India or Steer are part of this trade. You make that move?
6: the the one so you mentioned trusting nick crawl the one type of move we haven't seen him make is this aggressive top of the roster big league ready players yes. and, and nick crawl's done a lot right but the mistake not the mistakes but the things that really haven't worked out for the reds are look at the players who they've added on big league deals since they've been the reds or since he's been their lead decision maker that list is sean doolittle tommy Pham, hunter strickland mike minor Will Myers, it's not a great list so far. Now, there is a big difference between that tier of player and the guy who theoretically could put you over the top. Nick Kroll has shown a lot of, frankly, talent as a uh, as a trader. But it would be unprecedented territory for him as this lead decision maker when he ends up in that situation. That, of course, is the decision that will make or break an entire era of Reds baseball.
0: Well, there's no doubt about it. Uh, the, the other thing I want to ask you about, and look, you, you've been down there. You've traveled with a team. You've been around these players. You've gotten to know some of these guys. I find it a little bit curious. Maybe you disagree. I find it a little bit curious that the team has not asked Jonathan India to potentially go to the outfield. Or if they have asked him, we don't know about it. Um To my knowledge, he's not gone to them and said, hey, look, I can kind of see where we are here, right? And our best defensive team is McLean at second, De La Cruz at short, however you want to stack them up. Uh, But yet they go to Encarnacion Strand, as you pointed out on Twitter yesterday, and they ask him for the first time all year long. I know you've played third. I know you've played first. I know you've DH, but you're going out to the outfield yesterday. Do Do you find that curious at all?
6: I do. Uh, the Reds' def- the Reds' best defensive lineup, I think, is with Delacruz at, sec- at a shortstop and Matt McClain at second base. There was a time earlier this season where there was a lot of, like, buzz, chatter around Jonathan India moving to left field. But, you know, even after Delacruz has uh, been called up, the only one who hasn't moved positions is Jonathan India. Now, you know, you've seen this. Some players have earned that. And In India, you know, they call him the captain. He's the leader of this team. You can certainly make the case that he's earned it. He's been good enough. He's even made significant, noticeable in season strides defensively, specifically as a second baseman, to where I think he's solid, even though he's not, you know, potentially spectacular like Matt McClain is at second base. But, you know, again, one of the big decisions they're going to have to make, maybe it's an offseason project, is moving Jonathan India to left field. But, um, you know, you know, I'll be a, up front here. When I've asked him to talk about it, he's declined to talk about kind of where he stands positionally and what his preferences are. The Reds, I do get the sense, are trying to still figure this out, how these puzzle pieces of guys who are talented, but is some there is some overlap with positions. They're trying to figure out how it fits together.
0: Well, that room's getting more crowded, Charlie. Uh, Because, you know, uh, Chris Welsh was on earlier, and he thought that June the 22nd was going to be the key date as it pertains to Votto. Myers and Senzel, um, Chris had said he's surprised Senzel's not playing this weekend down in Houston. Um, But, I mean, the the room is going to get a lot more crowded, and playing time is going to start to thin out for some of the pieces. As you and I are sitting here talking today, let's just assume for a second before I ask you to answer this, let's assume Votto can come up and hold his own. Maybe he's not the Joey Votto of old, but say he hits 265, right, 270, hits a couple home runs, drives in some runs, gets on base like he always does uh, against right-handed pitching. But but, but if you and I are having a conversation, and I'm going to leave the trade deadline aside, in two weeks or three weeks from now, let's say July the 15th, who's getting the most play in time where in that infield and in DH?
6: So the outfield pieces to this are fascinating too because there's just going to be a literal roster crunch. Uh, the numbers work out when you look at guys who could get optioned until you have to call up Christian Incarnacio and Strand, who's certainly knocking down the door. When Strand gets called up, you're going to have to make some tough decisions. You know, how is Will Myers? He certainly hasn't hit. At a major league even average level this season um what is Nick Senzel's role on the team infield versus outfield he has to show even more as well as he was playing to lock down a full-time role as opposed to a platoon role in the infield specifically i think bada will play seven eight out of ten days at first base or dh the question is how quickly encarnacion strand will get will uh, get into that mix and whether or not he's able to pick up right field it certainly seems like reading the tea leaves and, you know, what we were just saying with India, he'll still play most days at second base with a few DH days mixed in there. Um, and then the expectation is Delacruz and McLean keep trading time at short with Dillacruz filling in at third. And then Steer playing third on those other days, he's added left field into his mix as well. So guys like Dillacruz and McLean have added some versatility they bring to the table. Their best guys will play every day, but they would like some more options and some more flexibility to make sure they're getting their best nine guys in the lineup. Everybody. I
0: got to tell you, the one guy, Charlie, and, you know, I mean, I, I remember in spring training, you were, down, you were out there in Arizona. You know, um, everybody talked about how bad Steer looked at third. But then when the season started, he actually started to play quite well down there defensively at third. Now, is he as good as Sinzel? No. But, I mean, I think he was proving that he was certainly better than average down there. Do, do you think there's a chance they move Steer back to third?
6: Oh, completely. Uh, Steer is a solid defensive third baseman. Kind of what, like he's jumped in terms of like tiers into how you group and value Reds players. He has made a big jump from a guy who's like, all right, maybe he can be a a solid, useful piece moving him around to now I think he's just going to be a full-time long-term starter on the Reds. Kind of the beginning of that process was how he responded to the struggles at third base he had defensively. There was a maturity they saw in him as he attacked these adjustments and fixed that problem. And he has that same mindset at the plate, you know, rookie of the month in May, keeps it and keeps doing everything well. I do think, or I know they believe he can be a solid third baseman But part of what he brings to the table as well is he's the guy with his hand raised saying, move me around. I'm completely comfortable with his role changing all the time. And that in itself is extremely valuable to the Reds. The comfort they have expecting him to be not spectacular, but solid at like four or five different positions.
0: I know you don't have a crystal ball. If you were a betting man, who's playing in right field for the Reds sooner? Will Myers or Encarnacion Strand?
6: Will Myers, I expect he gets another shot. That's, if I'm guessing right now, my educated guess is that Will Myers gets another shot because of his track record, because yep. he doesn't have a long history of slumping. Um, his like When he's been at his prime, he's been like 75% of Jay Bruce, who, and, and you know, when Jay Bruce is on, he can carry a lineup for two weeks. Will Myers has been 75% of that in certain stretches. He has been searching deep in the process, 12 different adjustments. He's had a chance to reset, and I think they do want to see how he, like, emerges from this reset. Um, They also need to see how Strand looks in right field because he's not the fastest guy. He is athletic. He has a strong arm. They want to add to his versatility. I'll go with Myers, but it is an intriguing option if Strand can pick this up because of how few options the Reds have in the outfield long term. I am very interested to see how that goes.
0: Um, Okay, let's shift gears uh, to the Bengals. You were down there at um, uh, minicamp. Uh, during this week. I want to start with Jonah Williams. And, and you, you wrote some great stuff, Charlie, about, uh, you know, look, th- th- this guy's a pro's pro. I mean, people can beat up on the way he uh, played at times at left tackle last year and the year before, whatever it might be. That's fine, okay? And everybody can evaluate how he played however they want to. But when it comes to being a stand-up guy, uh I mean, he didn't duck anything from you or anybody else about this whole situation that transpired during this offseason.
6: That doesn't happen a lot where a guy goes that into depth of, you know, the conversations he did have with the coaching staff that he didn't have with the front office. Going that deep into the weeds of how he found out the news, how he reacted to it, why he played the, the cards he did in OTAs and then showing up for minicamp. But hey, his honesty, one, and two, just the way he blended back into that locker room. It was very, very clear watching him on the practice field, watching him, you know, hang out with his and interact with his teammates in the locker room, that he's fully back part of the group, part of the culture, part of the atmosphere. Like, people forget this, too. Like, when the Bengals' offensive line was like this flimsy, you know, who, who knew what they had? It was terrible. Jonah was like the... He was like the Ted Karras before Ted Karras of that group. He was the guy who was kind of bringing that group together and going above and beyond to take steps to do that. He is a culture guy, a team guy. Zach Taylor loves having him around. He was Zach Taylor's first draft pick, and they drafted him because they saw those traits and a winning mentality at Alabama. He knows he needs to be more consistent. He knows he needs to stay healthy. But, hey, the Bengals are excited to have him back. My biggest takeaway from this minicamp, I'm even more confident that he will be there with one right tackle.
0: Tell me about um, what other impressions. I mean, I, you know, and I like to ask this question because if you're, if you're blessed enough and fortunate enough to do this for 11 like we are, and, you know, sometimes it's just something as simple as, man, th- th- that guy is a lot bigger than I thought he was. Or this guy's a lot faster than I thought he was. Or this guy moves a lot like fill in the blank, right, that maybe something you weren't expecting. What, what are two or three things, and it might be obvious, but for you, what are two or three things that stood out besides the Jonah thing about this minicamp?
6: I'll start with the safeties. They have three guys who are going to play a lot this year. The starters, Dax Hill and Nick Scott. And Jordan Battle, who can do four or five different things at a really high level and give the Bengals an upgrade on their, uh, you know, their number three safety compared to what they've had in recent years. Dax Hill's playmaking is underrated. He, he won't be in position every time and make up as much ground on the back end every time as Jesse Bates did so consistently. But he'll make four or five splash plays that Bates can't make. You know, he took over a drill yesterday in the red zone. He guarded tight ends one-on-one. He played the deep half of the field. A Jordan Battle kind of, and Nick Scott as well, kind of filling in as they kind of use them all in very different roles. It's their most versatile, you know, when you look at three, four, five guys, their most versatile safety group they've had. And they think the defense can get even more versatile this year, if that's even possible. And then the second one, I'll leave it with this. The defensive line is deep and has like a bunch of really good, almost platoon players. Like we all know how good their starters are and how consistent they've been but Cam Sample is one of, the, one of the stronger, more sturdy, edge-setting, run-stopping defensive ends that you'll see who's not a starter in the league. Zach Carter, like last year, he didn't look like a defensive tackle. This year, he's bulked up to 315. He looks like a defensive tackle right now, and I expect a jump from him. Miles Murphy, the best athlete, Maybe on the entire defense, maybe just behind like a wu and Dax Hill. Like he is that much of an athletic, impressive guy. Josh Tupo, we all know what he is, run stuffer up the middle. They're going to end up cutting like some solid defensive linemen this year. I'm really impressed with the depth of that
0: um uh, what were your thoughts about any of the uh you you mentioned murphy but what about any of the other guys the the draft picks from this year i mean obviously all this is so new to them and that kind of thing and there's not any hitting going on and that but 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 whether it was a young wide receivers a young running back any thoughts on any of those guys
6: i'll talk about the skill guys because everyone loves talking about skill position players charlie jones says he is a slot receiver in this offense, which is a very important, notable step. You know, how he will get on the field this year would be for a couple, you know, gadget snaps. But then if Tyler Boyd gets hurt, and then we're talking about what Boyd's long-term future is with the Bengals and how Charlie Jones fits into that, um, where he's really impressed the coaches is, like, the number one thing you need if you're a slot receiver is the ability to read defenses and coverages in the moment because slot receivers freelance their routes a lot. The Bengals are very encouraged by the instincts and the IQ he's shown them there. Uh, fifth round pick, um, Sid- fifth round pick Chase Brown. I almost said Sidney Jones. Fifth round pick Chase Brown, running back. When I talk to him about the adjustments in the NFL, I try to talk to him about running the football. All he wants to talk about is pass protection and receiving. Mm-hmm. It seems like he's very focused. His mindset and the mentality is to be Samaje Perine more than it is to you know play the flashy early down back role because he knows that's how he gets on the field this year and that you know aggressive. Uh, preparation that mindset that mentality that willingness to do the dirty work again that's exactly what you want to be hearing for a guy who does have the strength the athleticism to make some plays in the third down back
0: last thing i want to ask you you brought up the guy's name i was getting ready to ask you about him here a second ago uh, in sydney jones because you know it, it rarely do people talk about him look People can like Eli Apple or despise Eli Apple. Eli Apple was a solid player for this team. I mean, a solid player. Did he make mistakes? Yeah, everybody makes mistakes. Um, and his get more highlighted because of the position in, th- that he plays. But, but how does Jones look? Because I think that, and you tell me, you, you may disagree. This guy could play an important role on this team this year.
6: Well, the one unsettled question position battle On defense, you know, the only other one being the running back rotation. The one question I still have on defense is if Aluja isn't ready for week one, what do they do a cornerback? Sidney Jones, fast, good change direction, a little more undersized, can get beat out physical in certain matchups, kind of more of a hybrid slot outside guy. I like Alan George. Like he just looks like a physical, athletic, fluid cornerback who can guard a wide variety of guys. DJ Ivy has the most impressive physical frame uh, seventh round pick he obviously has a lot of big adjustments to make um, struggled staying you know full- time in miami's uh, rotation when he was in college he's more of a developmental guy uh, but he certainly looks the part as a guy who you know if he puts it all together in training camp might challenge for that spot on the depth chart and I've forgot to mention DJ Turner another guy maybe a bit more of a project because he's still getting on uh, putting on weight he was one of the slightest corners in this class but he was also the fastest player in this class. Mm-hmm. Elite changing directions, a huge instant guy. Like, you remember when Dax Hill played corner? That's what DJ Turner at corner reminds me of. So I expect all four of those guys to be getting uh, reps at outside corner, kind of in a Wouges place before he's fully cleared for 11-on-11. 11 11. They need to see how those guys look on the field opposite Cam Taylor-Britt. Again, the one unsettled thing on the defense. Anyway. Okay.
0: All right. Charlie, we can't thank you enough for your time. I know you're crazy busy, but uh, thanks for joining us today, and hope you have a great weekend.
6: Thanks, guys.
0: All right, take it easy. That's uh, Charlie Goldsmith. Boy, he's on it. Doesn't matter what it is, he's on it.
2: Hardest working man in Cincinnati There's media. no doubt about it. Absolutely. I was
1: surprised. I didn't know much about him until you guys started talking about all the things that he does, and I'm just blown away by it.
3: Yeah,
2: so he, he yeah, he's a Northwestern guy, and I, I started following him a couple of years ago or whenever, whenever he came to Cincinnati, he came back. But he's a Ooh. Cincinnati guy anyway. He's a, he's a Cincinnati. He's from the area. Um, Liberal elite.
0: <laughs> I, I didn't say that. Well, let's look him up. I should ask. I, him. I don't know where. I'd uh, rather I don't ask know where, him face the, to face. I don't know where. I don't he went like to high going school. behind guys' backs. That's I don't know why I always challenge you guys as a member of the li- liberal elite. <laughs> the Let me full. see here. This real quick.
2: Are you asking where he went to high school? Yes. Seven Hills.
0: <laughs> <laughs> End of scoring. <laughs> All right. Just, although that is the best school here in Cincinnati, without a doubt. It's the highest ranked school uh, academically. I,
2: as, a, as a transplant to the area, I, I am unfamiliar with Seven Hills. So. That is a big league school. Is it? Oh, I mean, big league. Okay.
0: Jacob, concur?
3: I do. I do.
0: Yeah, and, I, and that's hard for a St. X guy to say.
3: Yeah, well, I don't know about the best academic It's school, the
0: best. It's rated the best. I know. It I is. Know. It's the best. It's it's a big time school. Okay. Okay, I'm just gonna throw. I this mean, he in. went from Seven Hills to Northwestern. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's big league. Right. I'm asked Charlie about the next time he's. In. It's big league. Yeah. So we're getting ready to say.
2: Yeah, I. This is some Cincinnati history. I don't know, yeah. and I am.
0: Just I looked put- it up because I went up to. Uh, we played lacrosse this year. Have any of you guys ever been to Columbus Academy? No. Okay, so that is the uh, Cincinnati Country Day. Most you would most closely associate it with Cincinnati Country Day because of the land on which it sits, right? Yeah, you know, Indian Hill is where Country Day is, right? You got the acres and acres and blah blah blah, dude. I mean, Columbus Academy makes Cincinnati Country Day look like the hood, and Cincinnati Country Day ain't the hood. This place, we pulled in there to play lacrosse this year, and I could not believe it. So while we're in there, we got some time to kill before the game starts, and I jump on the phone and start looking at academics, rankings, private schools, public schools, state of Ohio. Um, and that's where I saw. I think uh, Seven Hills was number two. Uh, Columbus Academy was somewhere like seventh or eighth. But just the beauty of that school is, is uh, phenomenal. Okay. Okay. Um, no, no, no. I was I was going to ask a question. Oh, go ahead. Forgive me.
2: What are the seven hills of Cincinnati? Like, why is it why is it
0: called seven hills? Because there are seven hills here in Cincinnati. Yeah,
2: I'm, I'm asking. I got. <laughs> do we do we know them? I mean, this is Cincinnati. Yeah, you have. Yeah, yeah, you Mount have. Adams.
5: Yeah, one. that's one. That's one. Mount yeah.
2: Lookout. Mount Lookout is that two? That's two. It's Mount Healthy one.
0: No, Mount Lookout is not one of them. Damn. Nope. Oh, Mount
2: was... Adams, yes. Mount Healthy, is that one? Well, wait. So in, in December 2008, the Enquirer listed these seven, Mount Adams, Mount Auburn, Walnut Hills, Fairmount, Fairview Heights, Clifton Heights, and Price Hill. And then the library at the University of Cincinnati has this list, Mount Adams, Mount Airy, Mount Echo, Mount Healthy, Mount Lookout,
0: Mount Storm, and
2: Mount Washington.
3: I'll rock with all the mounts. I think that sounds. I I feel
0: like although here in the Enquirer, um, uh, the marketing tactic devised by the city, this is according to Cincinnati.com, in the early 1880s, listed the seven hills as Mount Adams, Walnut Hills, no mountain that word, Mount Auburn, Vine Street Hill, College Hill, Fairmount, and Mount Harrison, which as you point out is known as Price Hill. Are those the ones you just gave? Uh,
2: that's, I'm trying to see. Okay, here we go now.
0: By, by the 1900s, the seven-point list had somehow evolved into Clifton Heights, Mount Lookout, and Mount Echo. Where's Mount Echo? I have
2: no idea. What is Mount Echo?
0: From there, you have Mount Airy, Mount Echo, Mount Healthy has been in this mix. Mount Lookout, Mount Storm. Where's Mount Storm? And Very Mount long. Washington. I know where Mount Washington is.
2: All right, so Mount Echo Park. Is in Price
5: Hill. Yeah, well, well, why didn't why you chime in on it? Well, you know, even in well, that
0: place in shotgun, <laughs> or I mean, what?
5: No, I I, 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 knew the park. I didn't know. <laughs> I should have. I should have connected the, the dots on that one. I'm familiar with the park, Monaco Park, <laughs> right by Elder. Yeah. Well. Yeah,
2: I just. You know, you go back in history with Rome, I just didn't know if that was that connection or what the what the whole deal was with the seven hills. But that that is something that I, I had heard of the high school didn't know much about the high school, but I just didn't know what the seven hills were. Yeah, so it seems like we're in a little bit of a debate. What are the seven hills? It's it seems ambiguous seems like something that if you're going to name a high school after, you're going to know exactly what they are.
3: I kind of feel like no one knows, and everyone just walks around and says, oh, yeah, Seven Hills in Cincinnati.
2: That's what I'm – okay, I'm th- glad I'm, glad I'm not that fine. far you're right. off base there. And we're fine with that. Okay. All right. You're right. Because there right. are
3: Seven Hills in Cincinnati. It's just, you know, you can pick them.
0: Hmm. Indian Hill. Richard. <laughs> Give <him> name. <laughs> you know, those are where all the big leaguers live,
5: right? Is Indian Hill liberal elites – Mm. Oh, without a doubt. Okay.
0: With a, And I have some very close friends who would fall into that category.
5: Yeah. yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. So by liberal elites, you just basically
2: can mean you, the rich. Can you just be a... Yeah. <laughs> no, there's there, right. there a lot of criteria. It doesn't mean you have to
0: meet every single one of them, right? But there are certain boxes you can check. The rent. Although those people can't spell rent. Can you be they just elite? Right. Or no mortgage. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Right? right taxes maybe everybody's got to pay those but uh you know i i heard one of the most interesting stories last night so um i go to this event last night get invited by a buddy of mine topper tepe lawyer here in town great dude um and and we get invited to this this place right along the little miami river which has been privately owned and it's this this like canoe club kind of place right and so there are men there that are members of this place that, that range in age from, I think the, the youngest was about 44 and then all the way up to like 94. Okay. And this has been there since the 1870s. Okay. And yeah. descendants upon descendants, blah, blah, blah. So th- th- this guy was telling me the story. Cause I've often wondered how in the world, talking about Indian Hill, how in the world does the Indian Hill School District get revenue from the Kenwood Mall? The reason the taxes are so low in Indian Hill is because they get revenue for their schools from the Kenwood Mall. The Kenwood Mall is not in Indian Hill. It's in Kenwood. It's closer to Madeira. Well, yeah. Well, They're closer to on Madeira, Madeira the schools. But point I make, Yes. And so there was a guy there whose family has this, you know, centuries um, family here in Cincinnati. And he was explaining to me how all of that happened. And for me, more accurately, what I wanted to know more, I thought this was something that happened when they built the Kenwood Mall. And like some wheeling and dealing and money guys saying, oh, yeah, we'll get this, we'll get this, we'll get this. This was actually something that was done back in the 1950s before the Kenwood Mall was ever built. It was a little strip mall there. And um, anyway, I, I just found this whole story completely fascinating about how stuff like this happens. Uh, but yeah, you wonder why? I drove by their third practice field in the Indian Hill School District yesterday. I drive by it every day. Right? Right? They have three all-turf fields, and they're putting down a new one. Brand new. Those bad boys go for over half a million. Yeah. Yeah.
3: They're playing a whole different sport over there than a lot of the other schools.
0: And yet, Marymont continues to kick their tail in damn near everything they play. The common man school. Common man. Marymont All right. <laughs> uh, we got to get to... Uh, we got to get to... Um, Rankings. The rankings. rankings. Yeah, that's our Are cherry- going to do a cherry on top? That is our cherry on top. It is. Yep. I uh, Run the music. Let's go.
1: Here we go. Oh.
2: That's okay. We're getting to reset. Jacob, I, I first want to uh, congratulate you on a great first couple of weeks here at Chatterbox, and this has been an honor bestowed onto you.
3: I appreciate so, it, all.
2: So, so, so don't that's screw the it with up. Don't won't. screw it up.
3: I won't. A lot of thought went into this top five. Um, I don't have an honorable mentions list because I don't believe in participation trophies. That's just a list of losers.
0: See, I thought, I thought so, we now there's
3: a guy after my own heart. <laughs> it's just a list right? of losers. He
0: comes from the Nick Saban school Absolutely. of coaching. I thought right? we, I Not think... a paddle. Oh, good try, Jimmy. <laughs> right? There is. I mean, Jalen Hurts, starting quarterback all-world. Halftime comes along. You're getting your butt kicked in a title game. What does Nick Saban do? Right, just put the next man up. Next Get man in up. Halftime of the title game. The boldest is... move I've ever seen in a coach in any sport. Absolutely. No Absolutely. doubt. Absolutely. There is one name that did not make the top five that I
3: did want to acknowledge. USA veteran pops in this chat late in the show every day, and he makes sure he says hi to everyone. Love to see USA vet in the chat this week. Salute. Salute, salute to sal- you. Salute indeed. Starting off <laughs> at number five is Evan Maurer. Wow. To be Evan. honest, Evan was much higher on the list going into the day, but it's a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately league. And oh, Evan wow. wasn't in the chat oh, wow. until about 11.15 today. Oh, wow. So he is the Jalen Hurts. He is. Okay. He is. He, he, right. had a, he had a very good day today. He's after my own heart with the Trade India. He's, he's a woke Reds fan. He's, he's ready to go. So is Evan who you were talking about before? No. Yes. When I said? Yes. yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Evan was much higher on the list. He, he does maintain his number five spot after a strong 45 minutes. <laughs> now, I just
2: want you to know that I did the same thing to Chad Waits, and Chad Waits now hates my guts and won't acknowledge <laughs> oh, me as a person. No. Well, at least so I know. just want you to know you may have set yourself up for failure for I the fact like it, that Evan was walking his dog.
3: I feel like Evan and I have good rapport here.
2: Well, so I thought the same thing with Chad.
3: Oh, boy. Well, Evan, I'm I am just setting you up. All right, All right go, go are, ahead. You are five this week. Yeah. Number four. Casey, roll it. Everett Henry. Yes. Wow. Everett. Yes. Everett's been the keeper of the chat. I love Everett. Uh, You know, he's keeping everyone in check. He's had some good takes today. He's had some good takes today. I like Everett a lot. He's had a good week. He's consistent. He is consistent. Big C consistency. Yep. He's in here before the show starts. He's in here after the show ends, and he's ready to go. Yep. Love Everett. Good week. Number three,
0: hebe's ghost. Man, he's been just... a ghost today. No, he's had a good day. Yeah, no, P- yeah it's okay. I'll, yeah, PB, I'll go back and look. He's go had ahead. a good
3: day today, and, he, and he's trying to stick up for me, being roped into eating this cricket. So I appreciate that from PB. <laughs> the the Pawnee, Pawnee Water and the bidet comment earlier in the week locked him into the top five. Yep. There's no way he was moving out after that. Yep. Mm. Uh, PB, PB had a great week. I love PB. He's sticking up for me.
0: Uh, Number two. This is supposed to be devoid of emotion. Go ahead. Number two is
3: Drew Garrison.
0: This is a good ranking.
3: Drew Garrison, Super Chat King. The... uh... (laughs) $5
2: $5 super chat from OJ's 94 Bronco. Woke rankings, clown face.
1: I couldn't, I couldn't help but put OJ up in front of Drew. but there we go. Okay. O- OJ is in my stink list this week. OJ and BB wow. are on a list
3: of their own. They're there too. They had no chance. Drew Garrison almost came out of the rankings completely after his no blue cheese take. I'm a big blue cheese guy. So That's right. You can
0: drop there. That
3: was a bad take, but Drew had a great week. And he's already locked himself into the Reds game on July 17th. So excited to see him there. He's cool.
1: definitely the top uh, donator. This oh, week for too, sure. For no sure. question.
3: But number one is a man who he's been fighting. and He finally got his Sonic lunch yesterday.
2: Wow. wow. He's not even in the chat. He's not, he not in the chat. He had to go back he to left. work. But
3: he, what yeah. a week for Mouse Cop. He's on top. What made
0: it a good week for Mouse Cop?
3: He has been clamoring every single box lunch. That I've been here for he has been clamoring for Sonic and we get Sonic yesterday he does his little victory lap on Twitter He's victory lapping in the chat today. I just wanted to put a bow on top of an amazing week for Mouse Cop
2: Yeah, it, this was really Mouse Cop's crown jewel that for the first time We spun Sonic and it actually we went Man. there and, and honored the wheel
1: I mean, he might, he might lead
2: now and number one vote. I think, I I think, think that's his might. third one. Mouse yeah. Cop
3: earned it this there, week.
2: Two significant omissions this week in my mind. Uh, AJ Wurst, I thought, had a great week. And uh, Sir Boy Wonder, not there.
5: I thought we expanded these rankings.
2: I thought we went to eight, two, but this is Jacob. So Okay. I'm, I I'm to anybody,
5: who, whoever
0: draws the, yep. you know, the assignment, they do it how they want to do it. You can just pick one, and that's it. That's the way you want to do it.
2: Spirit cat, I thought had a decent week too. Spirit cat did. Now have a here's the thing week. about
0: Sorry. Ronnie Smith.
2: Ronnie Smith is coming back to Cincinnati soon. Maybe this weekend. We're moving back. I think he's just visiting. Oh, okay. I don't know.
0: Visiting. Oh, I thought he was. He's moving. from your okay. town. All right. Okay. Arizona. He's yeah, from I know. Arizona. I know. Yeah, yeah. Well, it he, 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 he might behoove him to come back here for the summer. It's true. Yeah. You know what I love about Ronnie Smith. Ronnie Smith
2: does not care one iota. About what everybody else is talking about in the chat. And <laughs> he hates, he hates when we talk about anything that is not sports. Ronnie Smith <laughs> is the backbone of the chat because what he does is he keeps everybody on task. He just comes in here, he talks about sports, he hates when we don't talk about sports. And no matter what's going on in the chat, he is just powering through with whatever he wants to talk
0: about. He is saying right now, he says, I'm from Cincinnati, bro, not Arizona.
2: Oh. That's well, what he, he just he, said. He, he keeps, keeps saying. saying he was coming back home. Oh, maybe he's originally from Cincinnati. Cincinnati, and he lives living out
0: there now. Okay.
2: Maybe. I don't know. He keeps saying he's coming back home. Maybe I'm misunderstanding what he's saying.
0: Okay. Um,
2: I would
1: also like to just point out some of the new guys in the chat as of late, like Video Super Fun Times, Happy... Uh, Chai Town real estate.
0: The chat had a you know, phenomenal we, we, week. As yeah, we've whole. had Tim Hennessey. Yeah.
1: Some of these guys that we haven't really seen on our show. Train
0: five one three Elliot.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> I I also want to acknowledge whoever I ran into at the uh, Forest Park Kroger this week. That came up in the self checkout line and said, "I love the show," and then kept walking. Did not break stride. Gave me a fist bump. Said you got to love that. I said, I love the show. Paul, I love the show and kept on walking.
3: If that was you, speak up. Tom I Wonder don't know who that was. that
2: was. I don't know if that's a chat member or who that was. But whoever it was, I appreciate you. We love you. We lo- uh, thanks for watching the show. Sure
0: it wasn't Sir Boy passing through on <laughs> his technology. <laughs> it, his could, it could have been. Work.
2: I know Sir Boy Wonder. It was not. It was not Sir Boy Wonder.
5: Tom, this is a true story. My dad ran into you. You were walking somewhere. You were just walking by each other. And my dad had a baseball and he asked you to sign it on the spot. And you saw, I still have your signature on a baseball in my house right now. You just signed a baseball, passing my dad. Well, of course I would. <laughs> it, it's, it's, flatter you. Yeah. it's flattering to be I, asked that question. Yeah. I, I got to bring it in. I got to bring well, it in. You Can you have imagine to sign a again. jag
0: that would say no to something like that? And I've been no. called a jag. But can you imagine what kind of jag it would take? Terrible. No, that it would, would be, be terrible. terrible.
2: Wait, OJ's uh, 94 Bronco is claiming it's him. And if. I don't believe him one I second. don't know if <laughs>
1: – I don't believe him one second. I
2: don't know. The problem Why is – Why
0: don't you believe him?
2: I don't know how to ask him – I don't know how to ask – I don't know, like, what question to ask here because it was so fast. I don't know.
3: He needs to send a selfie in the I
2: same don't know outfit. what question to ask that proves it was him, but it would be funny if that was him.
0: Okay. <laughs> All right, who's got it for next week? Uh, has Elliot done it yet? Yeah, Elliot I've done it. Elliot did it did two you, weeks ago. Two weeks ago? So I think we rotate back around, Casey, your next yeah. week. Yeah.
1: Well, wouldn't it go – it would probably go Reed then. And- it is, yeah. It is
2: It is. Reed's next week.
0: So Mouse Cop will not be repeated. Bu- we'll buckle, not. Up every- <laughs> buckle up,
2: everybody. It's Reed's Rankings next week. Okay.
0: <laughs> um, all right. Oh, Dominic, thank you for sharing that story. It's a nice story. Um, okay. Okay. Um, Next week, we we got a lot in the hopper going on, getting some people lined up. So um, no box lunch today, correct? No No box lunch today. reed has gone. All right, I want to thank all of you for joining us. Casey, Paul, well done. Absolutely. Elliot, Jacob, you guys have a great weekend. We wish all of you a great weekend. Godspeed ahead. We'll catch you on Monday. Be well.